Hello, everyone, and welcome to the big show. Um, wow, check it out. We're on the British Tech Network, and we have a token Brit with us today. It's it's wonderful. Um, uh, I'm Jeff Gamut. I'm your interim host, sitting in for you and Rankin. And uh, well, l- let me introduce everyone to our to our token Brit, Ian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. The usual nice sort of colder week here in the UK. We've started to get snow and a bit of ice and things. It's uh, it's it's getting chilly now in the land over here in England land. Otherwise, yeah, it's been a quiet week. I'm but I ran a class earlier in the week and now I'm just sort of generally prepping for another one that's coming next. So yeah, all is good. All is good in the world over here. Excellent. As it should be. And Tom, how are you? I'm doing great. I, I do have a public service announcement. Mm-hmm. It, it It is pronounced Gaza, oh. not Gaza. Contrary to what the BBC and the CBC say, it is Gaza, not Gaza. I'm sorry. I've, I've listened to a lot of news and heard a lot of people mm-hmm. talking about the Gaza Strip. That's you Americans. It's called Gaza over here. <laughs> uh, well okay to be fair tom um the the brits invented daleks and mispronounce yeah. the word they they <laughs> they say dalek but if you look how it's spelled dalek. it's a dalek dalek <laughs> can't, can't even pronounce their own monsters correctly <laughs> Exterminate. 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 Malfunctioning remit. Kill, kill, kill. You you can charge more for uh common elements than we do because you make them sound fancier. Uh, yeah, aluminium is much more fancy than aluminium. (laughs) Aluminium is so much better than aluminum. (laughs) Right. I mean it's it's clearly a a higher quality product. We're worth far much more. premium premium product yep okay yeah, well, I, I want all my cans made out of it now yeah you yeah. can do if you come over here where we're, where, you know it's it happens here okay i'm convinced i'll call it gaza now <laughs> <laughs> and uh and just so you know tom your beer is going to taste so much better coming out of an aluminium can than <laughs> an aluminum can yeah uh, no, i drink i drink out of a bottle i don't drink out of cans um, anything that comes out of a can, any beer that comes out of a can in the states, anything that comes beer that comes out of a can in the states, I tend to think won't be, particularly if you bought it in Wally Mart. There, there are some really good um, uh, canned beers in the in the U.S. However, you have to look to uh, local breweries, mm-hmm. and uh, and when when you find the right local breweries, they. They will sell canned beer that's really good. The um, yeah, but we have the same experience here now. Though the craft, the craft brewing scene has really kicked off, and it's wonderful. Some of those are some great stuff being made by people. Scotland, mm-hmm. there's a, I mean, uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming out of Glasgow and that area. And where I was up a while ago, up in Inverness, there's a fantastic brewery. You well, see, um, either, from my side of the world, when we think of American beer. Pardon cause, and you can see why we're not really that impressed with your beer. Well, to be fair, Coors isn't even real beer. It's just uh, an abomination. <laughs> right. Water. 
<laughs> yeah, it's dirty it's water. All right, so yes. I, I will share the important thing to know about about Kerr's beer products with you. Um, so it's the, co- it's Colorado pee water. No, it's <laughs> death water. Um, so they're they're actually taking water out of the the river that runs right there along um um golden along thank you mm-hmm. golden i mean only a town I, that that i've grown up near um <laughs> so what happens um different times a year maybe the roads are icy or people are drunk whatever they go off the road fly off the the edge down into the into the river and die so the cars get recovered, but the people aren't in them. Oh, and okay. so then what the sheriff's department does is they go down to the debris gates at Coors and wait for the bodies to flow down and then fish them out of there. You're welcome. <laughs> well, the other thing to know about Coors, at least in the old days, it, it wasn't pasteurized. So you you didn't want to buy cores that was <clears throat> not in a refrigerated uh, location in the store, you know. Mm. Oh, yep, yep. So, yeah, yeah. It's, no. it, life is too you're, short you're for beer that doesn't taste good. Well, unless you're a poor college student. Mm. Yes, then you can have Natty Light. There you go. <laughs> hey, speaking of taste, great, Ben. How are you? Pretty good. Excellent. That's as it should be. And, and uh, you know, I have to say, Ben, it really bugs me how you just dominate the conversation like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. Um, all right. So it's the, the, uh, the big <laughs> show today. Seriously, I just looked at the date to see what day it is to make sure that uh, I said the right show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Days like this. Yeah, it's, make it's, me the, a... it's the big Mac show. Yeah. We're there we go. Food. It's the lunch show. Yeah. Day, days like this make me really appreciate Patrice even more because at least when she's here, there's someone that, that feigns competence. <laughs> He's finding competence in Portugal at the minute. She's over in Lisbon, so yeah, good for her. Which is lucky and nice because it'll be warm and it's very pleasant and it's overall a nice place to be. Yeah, yeah. And I must go. And I'm, I, it's one of those places I must visit. We were talking about last week, and it, it's just a nice place. So yeah. yeah. Now I was about to ask who has the first story. I just looked at the chat. Everyone already has a story in here. We're full of stories yeah. today. We're full wow. of stories. All right, Ian. Um, yours was in first. Yeah. What's your story? Mine, mine is a tale of caution and worry for those who were compromised by the booking.com hack just recently that they basically dumped a whole load of data out of and then people have been exploiting. It turns out now cyber criminals are now actively looking for people who say they've been hacked to jump mm. on them more social engineering of the classic kind that's actually but kind of brilliant in a, it is, in a isn't horrible it? way in a horrible way so they use their own thing oh you were compromised oh, let, let's help you sort it out um, and so you're opening yourself up to more problems you know it's constantly it's playing game of whack-a-mole 
where one thing happens and another one begins. And so this one's just came up today where they're talking about how hackers logged into the booking.com, see their customers currently have holiday reservations and they're tricking people to pay more money to them instead of the hotels. Yikes. Hackers mm. appear to be making so much money from the attacks in order to pay thousands to criminals who can share access to hotel portals. The scam is working paying serious dividends, apparently. Wow. So that be cautious if you're using booking.com or don't use booking.com. Other other hotel place aggregators are available. Really be cautious, people. So this yeah. is a, as yeah. I said, this is a tale of caution and a tale of yet more hackery and nonsense in the internet. Yes. Yes, trust no one. Trust no one. Easiest <laughs> trust way. no one. Yeah, trust well, me. Means, except for me, I will then take your uh, your passwords, your usernames, email address, and your social security number, and the la- and, and your phone number as well. I mean, the, pass- I, the I passwords just... are so easy to guess anyway. Well, it's it's interesting how they got into the hotels. They they send a hotel an email saying, hey, I left my passport in the room. They send yeah. them a, a, a link mm-hmm. to what they say is a photo of their passport, a Google Drive link. But of course, that's not a link to a passport picture. Well, yeah. It's malware. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, in they go. and in they go, yes. Oh, that's awful. Oh. And um, it 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 shows just how uh, how easy it is and and i'm not saying this in a derogatory way but how easy it is to trick people into granting unauthorized access yeah. uh, for most people if they saw an email that appeared legit and they're working the customer service counter at at the hotel and it says hey i left my passport um the and here's a picture of it, just so you know, for verification, but it's just a link. A lot of people will just click the link. And right. for me, it's one of those things where it's like, if I, if someone sends me a link and it's unsolicited, I am not clicking the link. Never. No. Even if it appears to have come from someone that I know, it's, I'm not clicking the link. I, if it, if it's from someone I know, I might uh, dissect the link and then see if it's legit or reach out to them and, and say, did you send me this? And then go from there. But yeah, it's yeah, just this, so easy um, to social engineer people into uh, into making mistakes like this. Uh, the, the easiest way to do this is, oh, good morning, sir. Yeah, my, my name is James. I'm calling from IT. Yeah, yeah, we're just looking at some problems with your data today. And could I have your password so I can get in to have a look at your uh, to to look at your account from as you see it? Uh, yeah, what do I want your password? Oh well, I can get access to your data anyway, but it's much easier for me to be able to log in and see your data from that, and it's as easy as that. Mm-hmm. If or, you're or to if ask you want to do password something. as verification for who you are, I'm yes, looking exactly. at your content, but before I discuss it with you, I need to verify that you are who you say you are, you are. my yes. my my dear soon to be victim. So just uh, read me your password, and I'll verify that it matches what I have, and then we'll go from there. Well, his, history has proven that that phishing emails work, and especially yeah, tar- targeted ones like this. You come up with a plausible storyline that you can use on thousands of hotel clerks all all around the world 
you know, instead of doing the stupid fishing ones that just have some generic text in them, if it's somewhat targeted, it makes people's, you know, their guards go down. Mm -hmm. In uh, there's been many of these. I'm sure they've done one in the U.S. Over here, there was one. There was a there was a a kind of a, a really simple pole done in in a train stations. So a guy had a bat had a, had a basket mm. full of chocolate. Would walk in, stop someone, and say, "Oh, good morning. Yeah, we're doing a survey, and uh, we do, and you'll get a free bar of chocolate for this. Can you can you help us with it? Yeah, of course. And so name, address, email address, password. Yes, thank you very much, sir. And for a and, bar of chocolate. And they well, <laughs> in actual fact, if you're familiar with the Cadbury Scream Egg, that was what they were using as bait. I can see how that would work. And so they were, and that was what they were using as bait. And they, they, it was, I'm sure it was one of the AV vendors. It could have been Sophos or it was one of the, the people they did. They, they, uh, they just went into like King's Cross or Euston and walked around and, and offered out chocolate. They said, we're doing a scary something. Do you mind helping us out? You know, and it was all dead simple. <laughs> as a bar of chocolate in it for you, you know, and, and it is that easy. So please, everyone listening to this today, be very careful. Do not mm. reveal your passwords. If you have the option to enable two-factor authentication on anything these days, please, please, please accept and use it. And if you can yeah. move on to pass keys, do that. Yes, even better. I've just set that up on my um uh, on my eBay account because they offer me a pass key. I go, oh yeah, yeah I love that. Mm -hmm. So much more secure. All right. Please, please, please do be careful, everyone. Excellent PSA piece. All right, Ben, you are up next. Okay. I'm going to go on the social media watch here. Mm -hmm. uh, let's just say you are on the EU and you would prefer to not be on the social network that just tell told all its advertisers to go F itself themselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you so couldn't you write one, this stuff. Could you? I feel bad for the onion because they, they're trying to come up with stuff that tops what, what Musk is doing <laughs> yeah. and still have it sound like satire. They're going to put on the onion out of business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, by the way, link to that also in the chat room. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, apparently the EU and Meta have come to some sort of agreement that will let uh, Threads, <coughs> excuse me, that will let Threads launch in the EU next month. And why? And when is when does next month start? Tomorrow. It does. Yeah. Oh, you're so, holy forking shirt balls! It's almost December. Yeah, you're right. All right. Yep. Um. So, oh, go ahead, Jeff. Uh, um. Ben, I I have not been following this story that closely because well, it didn't impact me. Um, well, it, it, I was going to say it's it started at seven. It was released at seven forty a.m. Okay, so there's that too. Um, do you have any info on on what it was about the the e regulations that was prohibiting threads from launching? Because I haven't looked into that. Um, 
Yeah, I'm looking at it. I I mean, it's it's something about the profile. So maybe something about being able to uh, to have your data age, deleted. Is it age verification? Maybe. <clears throat> That's a good question. Well, DPC is not blocking the service as a matter. Oh, yeah, oh, I'm just having oh, offline. Yeah, offline. Yeah, offline services regulations. Which is okay. oh uh, data transfer rules? Yeah, yeah. It's keeping the data within the regions that mm. the data data's created. And the Germans and the Swiss and various other bits are particularly keen on not having data leakage. Okay, so GDPR related. Yes. Mm. Yes. Okay, that's that's yep. good enough yep. explanation for me. Yeah. So for. Uh, for EU people, this could be significant for two reasons. Number one, uh, yeah, the, the hell side is imploding mm -hmm. before our very eyes. Uh, number two, uh, after the whole open AI thing, uh, Threads have has actually started to get quite a bit of traction in the uh in the u.s and other uh markets that it's in yeah we we have it here i mean it's i i don't see it as being a thing at the moment that when it, the zeitgeist point is when lazy reporters as as read on this today when they don't want to write a real story they just go and look on twitter for something to talk about um at the moment it's currently twitter it's currently a moment that's always currently on twitter or instagram mostly but once it hits that kind of point, then I think it will start to take off if it's going to. Yes. Um, in, in the U.S., Threads has gained <clears throat> a lot of traction. Yeah. And, I've just and, installed it, actually, to have a look and see what it's about. Yeah, but based on how the, the various um, uh, more prominent players are uh, performing right now, um, while Blue Sky, I think, has a chance at uh, at being a significant player, Threads, I think, has a big head start on them. And I think yes. getting EU access will really, really goose Threads' uh, usage. Yes. Yeah, except it's owned by Facebook. I just can't bring myself to contribute I, to yet another Facebook property. I appreciate well, that. Yet the number of people that are willing to do that yeah. is very high yeah. they also were really smart with the way they set up the onboarding process oh you already have right. an instagram account yeah yeah well, yeah i'm literally just doing that here now on my phone as i'm as i'm as we're talking i'm just curious to see what's what's in i'm just there. i'm just trying to go in my head so there was facebook and we all love facebook when it first came mm -hmm. out and then it turned to crap mm -hmm. then there was instagram and it was cool and then and then facebook, facebook bought it and now it's crap mm -hmm. so they released threads yeah i'm gonna go to threads really <laughs> i just well <clears throat> here, just, here's the thing i mean i I'd, I'd love to have a twitter alternative and i know a lot of people don't like mastodon for a hundred reasons but well, mastodon I, i'm sorry quite th threads isn't it there's no way I mean, it may get big. I'm not saying it's not going to get big. I think a lot, a lot of people will join mm -hmm. it, but 
but I, I'll predict in five years, we'll be having a conversation about why everybody's leaving threads. Maybe, but it is the alternative right now. And I mean, as far as Mastodon, to be perfectly honest, that it is very good for the for the clicks that it serves. But it's not going to be something that uh, businesses are going to use. Um, tr um, I agree with you. And at the same time, I hedge my agreement a little bit because um, for businesses, advertising is a big thing. And mm -hmm. that's not something that happens on Mastodon. Um, yeah. <clears throat> where... Mastodon I see as an appealing thing for, for businesses is if your user base is, uh, is heavily on Mastodon, mm -hmm. then it's very easy to spin up your own instance where you control your brand with, with your own Mastodon server. Right. And mm -hmm. I can see where for, for some companies that would be very appealing um, yeah. Now, Tom, you said in five years we'll be having the discussion about how uh, how people are are leaving Threads. Uh, might be five years, might be ten years, might be next year. Who knows? M my feeling is every social media platform is an exercise in entropy, and all of them of course, once yeah. they spin up, mm -hmm. they start the long process of enshittifying, and um, and. We we have seen that with Facebook, with Twitter, now X, Instagram, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and look at all of the others that have come and gone along the way because they started up and then quickly either they didn't get adoption or they went to crap super fast and people quit using them. Yeah. So I think, but it, I think, so, <clears throat> so I don't I don't want to be naive and 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 be sort of uh, idealistic here. But the problem, you're right, every social media will probably go through that cycle, some faster than others. I think the idea of activity pub and, and the Fediverse is it it sort of makes you immune if you join an instance and it goes to crap, you just go to another one. Or if yeah. there is a service on Mastodon that's crap, you block it. Yeah, which, which by the way, uh, both... Uh, Blue Sky and Threads are, in theory, part of. Yeah, they they claim, but you, you, just from a business point of view, Facebook is on is created Threads to make money, which is fine. That you yeah, know, and which... if they if they ran it well, I would be happy to connect to them through Activity Pub links. But when it goes to hell, if if you're you know, it's the Twitter situation. How many people are stuck on Twitter? Because they built their business, they can't leave Twitter. They don't have a good alternative. Now they're just screwed. And they did the same thing with Facebook. You remember the warnings that everybody gave you is don't base your business solely based on your Facebook page. And look at that how was, many companies did. Yeah, and they died. <clears throat> but also, Threads currently, and I, and I, I'm saying currently in bold-faced capital letters, 
<laughs> does not run run advertising. Let's be honest. Uh, this is a kind of early adopter uh, starting up the network type of thing. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Net Netflix didn't offer ads initially either. I didn't, you know, look at how many things you used to get for free that all have ads all over. Now, well, you know, they you have get, you ultimately you have to make money, and I don't have a problem with people making money. I don't have a problem with ads. I have a problem with the manipulation that happens with the ads. Yeah, I see that as a problem. Mm-hmm. All right, Ian, I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing what you think about threads because. I'm just having to play with it now while we were talk while while you guys were talking. I just wanted to see what, and it looks much the same as the as every other thing that I've yeah. seen in terms of these kind of platforms. So we'll we'll yeah, have a Twitter play. clones. Yeah, yeah, it's a Twitter. Well, it seems to be a Twitter clone. So I'll, I'll have a little play with it because I'm I'm not the the biggest user of any of these kind of social media platforms. The the soundbite the soundbite type stuff tends to pass me by a bit. I like long form journalism still. In my old age, I, I'd rather read something than just someone's uh, someone emptying the head of five words of uselessness. I'm with but, you. And so I, which if anyone wants a good place for that, Medium is excellent. I really recommend that platform. Been subscribing every year or more, but the it'll be interesting to have a look. I, I've installed it to have a little bit of a look, to see what I think, because mm. I don't use any of, those, any of the current ones. I mean, I've got accounts on most of them, but... I don't actively do anything on them, so it's I'm I'm the old, I'm the old man in the corner, still. Well, I think I think you're onto something. though. I think uh, question is what is a social media platform for? And I think you know originally, at least with Facebook, the first really big one, it was about connecting to your communities. It wasn't about getting news and getting sound bites. It was. I connected with my old work friends and the people I went to high school with and the people I used to skydive with. And during that time, it was great. I think when they started bringing in, trying to make money by bringing in news feeds and ads, not the, the ads aren't the problem. It was the new news feeds and the breaking the algorithm. So, you know, your timeline was all screwed up. You know, that I guess that's the whole inshittification. Mm-hmm. Yes you know, story. But for mm-hmm. me, that's what I, I go to Mastodon. I used to go to Facebook mm-hmm. for my communities, not for news, not read news off of even Twitter, you know? Right. And it's crazy how many um, um, people do go to Facebook as their primary news source. It's, right. it's like, Yeah. And this totally dates me, of course, but I remember when, when AOL was the, the all-in-one place that you would go for connecting with friends, getting your news, all of that. And that's what Facebook is trying to be. The one place you go for everything, get, get you on the site. Now, now you're locked in and, and then they just keep you there. Right. That's the problem. And, 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 and it's, the problem is that's the only way they can really make money long term. You know, the reason mm-hmm. the inshittification process happens is because these are companies trying to make money. You can't make money off of me if I'm on there just to connect with my old friends. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is it. It's why I, I I keep Facebook because I've got a I've got groups of friends that I talk to about various bits of nonsense, and yeah. that's what it lives there for. And I keep and I can kind of keep a voyeuristic look on people I knew, people I still know. You know, it's the it's those things. That's all it's for. Yeah, I maybe have passed by the the idea of the social media thing of. I prefer more sort of like forumsy thing type stuff. If I'm going to go full into kind of into a group, as it were, and in a manner of speaking, that social media also, yes, um, it is. But <clears throat> well, a lot of people not as a it's not as a public a social media because some of the because if I'm a, a forum member, sometimes you won't be able to see the entirety of what the conversations going on unless you're in that particular group and uh, and are interested in that particular topic. Whereas I can talk about any old crap on Twitter and that's publicly available for anyone to see the same with threads, mm-hmm. the same with any other. So that that's where I think the difference comes is I, I, I choose what I wish to publish. And that thing we all told our children years ago and still applies to this day, the idea that what you publish on the internet that's got your name on it stays around so you might as well have only things that are good and useful and not necessarily things that don't help or encourage you. I mean, there's a big campaign that goes on mm-hmm. in the UK, and I'm sure there are very similar ones all around the all around the world at school-aged children, talking to them about if you take pictures of yourself with no clothes on and post them on the internet, they're not going to go away kind of thing. It's generally those kind of ideas. You know, it's those very important lessons of, what you stay and stick up there. It's not like people forget next week. There, There is a level of permanence that we have today, which is kind of ironic when you look at how volatile uh, all these different platforms are and they can come and go at any time. Mm. And yet the, uh, the content that you create in some form is, is going to linger out there even if that service goes away. If if nothing else, you have things like Internet Archive or someone that took screenshots or... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't go away. The Internet Archive, Wayback Machine and all of those kind of things, it's all there. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm just thinking, I wonder if there was a couple of 20-year-olds on this call, if they would have a slightly different view. You know, we're talking about social media is about connecting with friends and sort of being in your your groups and cliques. I think 20-year-olds probably have an entirely different idea of what social yeah. media is for. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And the, the way I classify social media, it, to me, it's this very broad thing that encompasses mm-hmm. stuff that's very public, and stuff that is more selective for who gets to see it, and then and then you have um, other breakdowns like like is it a more long form thing like you can do with Facebook, or is it microblogging, and right. which a lot of people like to refer to as Twitter clones, but to me Twitter mm-hmm. is just another microblog service. Yeah, just the yeah. most successful one. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. The most X successful one. There you go. Yes, X six. <laughs> oh. well, I, I, I that was an unin, that was an unintended but good joke, nevertheless. <laughs> X, uh, X Twitter, whatever you want to call it. He's 
he's ruining it. He's ruining it. I mean, they, as you say, they can't even make up the jokes fast enough. They don't need to. Just let just let set Elon loose. Dear God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hey, on that That's fun note, Tom, tell us about <laughs> your story. Okay, I brought another chip story. It's been like every week for the last three or four weeks. I talk about chips, and and I debated a, a kind of a goofier story, but. I'll stick with this one. So Amazon had uh, hmm. an announcement last week um, about their chips that they're designing for use in um, their data center. So two weeks ago, we talked about Microsoft at Ignite announcing a CPU and and a GPU AI processor That's pair. Mm-hmm. And Amazon did. Uh, did a similar thing announcing the newest versions of their CPU and GPU. So they announced two things. One is called the Graviton Graviton 4, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is uh, basically a server CPU. Uh, it is based on ARM, a 64-bit ARM. Yeah, yep. the Neoverse V2. Neoverse, which is the same as whatever Microsoft was calling uh, their uh, server CPU, saying same basic core architecture. Um, and, you know, they announce all the usual specs, you know, faster, less power, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then they also announced the, what do they call it? The, the Tranium. I love that name, the Tranium for their AI processor hmm. or GPU. Uh, I guess that's their second version of that, which they claim yeah, or- times faster. Or uh, or ter, or was it teranium in Britain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the teranium. It, it's kind of a cool name, but kind of a goofy name. I'm not sure which I, I think. Teranium. Teranium. Uh, so I think this this is not not just a a, a small trend. This is a, a tidal wave of the system companies moving away from the likes of Intel, AMD, NVIDIA for all these chips that are going, you know, just hundreds and thousands and probably hundreds of thousands or millions of chips that are going to go into data centers. You know, for for us as users, it's, you know, whatever. If you're using a service that uses AWS, I don't think you care if it's a, a Xeon or a Graviton. No, it doesn't make any difference to you because you're not you're you're not at that you're not at the hardware level with those kind of hyperscalers. Mm-hmm. You're right. down at, you're you're way up at the software level, so you you have no care what CPU sits underneath it as long as it works and it's compatible with the software that you're running. Mm-hmm. That the architecture is compatible, you won't care. I th- I think you know the the bigger thing would be is Intel going to end up you know their their market just keeps getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. This is all yeah. going after the server data center stuff. You know, is the last Intel chip coming out of the factory just going to be for some guy's PC? That's all they have left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this... we're... Go on, Ben. I think we're going into an era of bespoke computing where you're going to be seeing a chip made specifically for uh, the laptop, desktop, or server that you're running. The whole idea of 
where, where how it was prior to this point where AMD or Intel kind of shows you what you need, that era is quickly coming to an end. Yeah, for the big guys, for sure, you know, because it cost you anywhere from 250 million to 750 million in R&D to develop one of these chips, mm -hmm. you know, which not everybody can do. But there are a lot of companies that can. What do you think uh, of the chances of Microsoft and another hardware manufacturer starting to move away from using Intel and AMD chips in their consumer level stuff in the same way very how high you done yeah very high very high it's where they're headed <laughs> so you yeah. have your, yeah. your microsoft m1000 processor and so on and so forth or whatever yeah but yeah. i mean in amd and nvidia are already going towards that uh qualcomm has already announced it's a windows pc chips right now intel is kind of uh being sitting there holding the bag of what used to be if they do not move towards arm soon uh this could i i'm not going to say this could be the end of it end of intel uh but it could be the end of intel as the major player in in microcomputing or, yeah, or microelectronics. I, I think that writing's on the wall and yeah. i don't think intel is going to be able to to make the transition that they need to in the time mm -hmm. frame that they need to to be the dominant player or to continue to be the dominant player that they have been yeah yeah i mean essentially they're they're a component supplier to an industry where their customers are designing the components that they supply so the problem yeah. for intel isn't isn't that it's arm or x86 the problem is they don't have a cloud service so they don't have a, a internal customer to use millions of Intel processors to provide cloud services to the end market. Mm -hmm. like Microsoft and Amazon and Google do. So yeah. they're basically just cutting Intel out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and even, even if Microsoft moves Windows to ARM, it doesn't mean those chips and Intel made ARM chips. It doesn't mean people are going to buy Intel ARM chips. They're going to, by Microsoft ARM chips, most likely, or Qualcomm ARM chips. Yeah. So the problem, I mean, is, and that that's a big reason, I think, why Intel was trying to move and, and get their foundry business going, because they saw this writing on the wall. Mm -hmm. So they could, maybe they don't uh, sell, the, you know, design the chips anymore, but they're manufacturing all the Microsoft and Amazon ARM-based chips for their data centers. Mm -hmm. But they're, gonna... having, they're having a hard time doing that even. I mean, the one other sort of thing, if you go, we go a level up with consumer-based, Microsoft's got an ARM version of Windows, which has been around for a while, but they've still got the problem that historically there's all of that x86 ARM um, architecture applications out there that people aren't going to want to necessarily yeah. not use anymore. They need a Rosetta layer. They need a they need an equivalent of, the, of um, a Rosetta layer. Yeah, um, I will say this. Microsoft is very fortunate that Google never went ahead and made a a uh, a real effort at a desktop operating system. No, no, Chrome desktop is not. That would have been very interesting to see. Yeah, what 
what that would have led to. Yeah. I, I wonder if Microsoft at some point is just going to have to go ahead and do kind of the same forking it did with from Windows uh, number, insert number here to Windows NT, which is what uh, all current versions of Windows are in line with. If they just have to go ahead and build their own uh, custom uh, Linux uh, operating system to go forward. Depending on what their ultimate goal is, I could see something like that happen. Yeah, because you know they probably have something like that internally for their server operations. Right. That's what I was going to say. They're probably already doing it for their servers. Yeah, which is also where NT came from. It was originally it was a server. It was originally yeah. a server OS before it made its yeah. break into the into the yeah into the world. Yeah, but because, I, you I mean, know. I, does does Microsoft really make money from Windows, or is it still just a platform for them? It seems like they're making a lot it's, of money off of Azure and other things. I think they, it does. they do make money off Windows, but well, and actually, that's gotten them in hmm. uh, in legal trouble now because they what they've done for a long time is <clears throat> funnel the the revenue and profits from Windows through a subsidiary company that mm -hmm. actually prints oh. the, the, <laughs> the install disks. And they're like in Puerto Rico or something, right? The subsidiary? Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think that's where they're in the U.S. at all. And that's where their mm. tax problem came, right? Yeah. The, the but I, my, my point is they're selling enterprise services and, you know, Microsoft 365 to the consumer. You know, Windows is a platform. They're not, I don't think they make money off of Windows directly or a lot of money, you know, it, but but it's the platform for everything else that they, or a lot of everything else that they make money from. Mm -hmm. But I, I think they see the future too. And, you know, getting OEM fees from Dell and Lenovo isn't going to, you know, create 20% yeah. growth for them anymore. Well, they're they're doing the same as Apple, which is right. which is seeing the writing on the wall, and pivoting into services, yeah. where they yeah. can uh, they can continue to grow revenue. AAR, as it's known in the uh, annual recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. No, I work in that particular sphere, and my 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 company again is very much moving everything towards subscription-based models because it's it's a way of making sure we can maintain a, a healthy business in in the modern market yeah yeah that's to. what it comes down to yeah you have to so yeah. uh, various by uh, I'm, I'm microsoft have been doing it for years and they'll just continue to develop and, and bring that further forward i mean it's i mean almost windows could almost be seen as a sideline almost now it's weird really in a way Mm -hmm. uh, when you look against things like Azure and stuff like that, it's yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the reason they have Windows is to bring people to its cloud services. Yeah, yeah. Well, well and all it's it's all its enterprise. Yeah, and enterprise, uh, which, which includes well. which includes cloud service. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. how long before how long before Windows as we know it disappears in in that original NT-based architecture that we know from 30 plus years of yeah, it's I think it it's writings on the wall in the same way. Yeah. I think it's it's, it's gonna it, it served its purpose and now it's time to move on to something else. Yeah. And I think unlike uh Intel, I think Microsoft knows. Uh, where things are headed and are actively moving in that direction. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah, what you're yeah. saying is they're they're really savvy in that way, much like TSO host is a savvy choice when you need to buy domain names or set up web hosting. Yes. Yeah, they they are such a Nudella uh, Nudella level genius. Uh, I I like that reference. All right. So what? Why did I so cleverly inject that uh, that transition there? Well, it's because TSO Host is fantastic, and they are helping us do what we do, which is to bring live shows to you every single week. Well, how do they do that? Well, they're they're a web hosting company. They help people buy domain names. They they do your hosting for your website. They offer server storage. That they're giving us the bandwidth we need to be able to live stream every single week. the The resources that it takes to do all of this, it's beyond what we would be able to make happen on our own. And uh, and so they are very generously saying, hey, we want to give back to the community and we're going to do that by helping out the British Tech Network. So they are giving us that bandwidth. They're giving us the hosting space for the website so you can go and see what's going on on the British Tech Network anytime you want. They give us the server space so that you have a place to to find the files that you want to listen to, which is a horrible way of saying anytime you want to watch or listen to an episode, the reason you can do that is because they have given us the the server space to host all of those files. And and we really appreciate their generosity. Um, so what you can do to show that you appreciate their generosity as well is go out on whichever social media you love and thank TSO Host for being here and supporting the British Tech Network. Super easy to do. Only takes a minute. Just go do it. We'll still be here when you come back. And uh, and if by chance, though, you have come up with a really great domain name that you want to register, then, um, then use TSO Host. You're going to get a good mm-hmm. price. And uh, they make it easy to do. And... Uh, and let's say you you want to have web hosting as well. Throw that in your cart along with your domain name. And then, super important, add the discount code BTN20. And when you do that, you get 20% off your order. So uh, they're, they're doing what they can to make, uh, to make buying domain names or web hosting super affordable. So thank you, TSO Hosts, for being here and uh, supporting us. And now comes the part where I would typically turn to Patrice and say, hey, Patrice, where do you find the uh, the chat? And, uh, and Patrice, so, where are you? Yeah. And so everyone right now is, is trying to Somebody figure out. Somebody call Patrice. 
Yeah. Who am I going to lean on to help me through what is clearly uh, an emotional block for me? And instead of picking a single person, I'm relying on all of you to take me by the hand and help me through this. So let, let's see how, how well I do it staying in the bumpers and, and, and the three of you, you need to be fact checking me along the way. And, uh, and if I get something through that's wrong, then I will find an incredibly clever way to, to lovingly shame you afterwards. Okay. So we have the live chat thing happening. All the links for the show. Uh, wow. All the links for the articles that we have talked about in the show and the cool things that we're about to talk about, they all end up in there. So uh, if you want to see what it, what articles we've been referencing, then that's where you go. It's also the place where you can chat with us in real time as we're doing the show. So where do you find that? Well, if I, if I was smart, I might have brought up a link ahead of time. And I think, oh, there it is. Chat.BritishTechNetwork.com. Did I get the right link? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. Chat.BritishTechNetwork.com. And when you go there, you can log in and uh, and see what's going on in real time and, and interact with us. And um, as we we have discovered, unlike the doctor, our time mm -hmm. is stuck in a linear format. Therefore, if you want to see the chat from an episode that has already come and gone, you have to go to a different link. And that one, I think I brought that up too, britishtechnetwork.com slash chat it's britishtechnetwork.com slash chat it's like it's like just magically in my head that appeared it, you're it was hearing amazing. you're hearing voices again jeff i am hearing voices again yeah <laughs> which uh, depending on your perspective this is either a good thing or a really really bad thing all right so when you go to to that link that that uh, you heard me throw through Ben's voice so cleverly, you're going to see this really cool uh, calendar. And you pick the day for the episode that you want to see the show notes for, or the, the chat for, click on that, and then you can get to it. And, um, and uh, Patrice has pointed out that this goes back years so you can see conversations from from so long ago it would actually be before i was uh, part of the british tech network and that's actually saying something because i'm pretty sure at that point we were still carrying the the bits for the bandwidth um actually in stone in wheelbarrows it's been it's been a long time so anyhow you you can go and find all of that there and did I get through the the whole chat thing? Did I manage to hit all of it? I think so. I think you got yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You people, you have no idea how difficult that actually was for me, which is so stupid because this is this is twice a week for me for years now. Why? Why is this still such an ordeal for me? Oh, anyhow. Wow. Thank you for the moral support and getting me through and being the voices in my head. All three of you absolutely rock. Okay. 
So uh, now it's get, time I, for some cool things. And I guess we have to do the timey-wimey stuff, don't we? The timey-wimey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So um, hold on. Cool things. It looks like, Ian, you have the first one. I do. This okay. is a superb discovery. I've been running on my network for about a week now. Some may be familiar with the ad blocker made by a company called AdGuard. They have a hostable service you can sit on your network, either on your router or on a, or on a server that runs on your network. So this is a little bit geeky, but it means you can block ads globally on uh, my internal network. Oh, uh, wow. Mm. And so I have an instance of this sat on one of my Linux servers, and it's taking over from my DNS, so domain name uh. service. And basically anything that I use on this network, including all the family's computers, ads are automatically filtered according to a series of filter lists that I add in from the uh, control panel. It's really good. There's another one called Pi Hole, which is a very similar, which was designed to be run on my I'm familiar with. Which was I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Pi Hole? Yeah, you set it up on a Raspberry Pi. It was designed to be set up on a Raspberry Pi. That was why you can do that with this as well. I think this will run on a, on a Raspberry Pi as well. I, I've played with that one. I never found that one as as nice. And and I saw lots of recommendation for this. One of the reasons for going toward this now is the lovely people who create the Chromium browser are deciding to try and find ways of making our ad blockers less effective. Mm -hmm. So this then helps circumvent that because it's not the browser that's dealing with it. It's a nice thing like... If I follow a link in my Facebook iOS app, which uses its own embedded browser, I no longer see adverts. So I can actually read rubbish that I want to look at that's clickbait. But there's no adverts. Wonderful. Which is, again, a small amount of making my life nicer. Highly recommend this service. It seems excellent. I've not yet had anyone else in the house complaining they can't see what they go and click on. One thing it does do, which is kind of nice, you can't click on a sponsored Google search ad. It won't take you anywhere. It goes dead because mm -hmm. my wife said that. And wife noticed that. Which, yeah, I said, that's fine. You're not meant to click on them. Once you click on the real one further down. Mm -hmm. So little things like that to just help you not fall victim to the things I was talking about in my story tonight. This is cool. So somebody yeah. needs to create a Raspberry Pi with this software, you know, Linux running yeah. on it with this software mm -hmm. that is integrated with a uh, Wi-Fi router. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can instead if you look at how to set up guide, there's they've got guides for you to set it up on a whole range of different platforms to run it from. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean if you've got Docker, you mm. can create a you can create a Docker instance running it if you're running Docker at home. Mm -hmm. All of those kind of things. It, like I say, it is a bit geeky, but it's very, very useful. You so can if you're also run it Docker at home. Yeah, you could um, just add this to your Synology. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you've got Synology with Docker running, like, yeah, yeah, drop it in. Yeah, I'm, as someone who has been running AdGuard for years now on my uh, on my personal devices, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. they are an absolutely brilliant company. This, uh, I mean, once I got off my previous ad blocker and went to them, I just have never looked back. And being able to turn the 
take all that security and bring it to everybody in, in your home. Yeah. Great pick. Yeah. Yeah. Works really, I really like well. That. Okay. That's, that is awesome. And I do like the idea of taking something like, like pie hole, that concept and making it more accessible to, to a, a wider audience. It's much uh, more user friendly. It's much more user friendly. Mm-hmm. It's much more user friendly. If you've got Linux, you can do it in Reddit. It's trivial to set up. It really is. It took me ten minutes, and I had it configured, and another couple of minutes to go on my router and just make a couple of changes, and then everybody's phone was automatically then not getting any adverts. That's way way faster than uh, than setting up a pie hole. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was trivially easy to set up. And what well, and right. without and without the uh, urge to giggle while you're doing it. Yes, I mean uh, there we go. We've had fifty four thousand DNS queries since I configured it. Looking at the stats page, and it's blocked nine thousand dodgy wow. things by filters. I mean, when you look at the top block domains, Google Analytics, Beacon Shazam, CloudFront with some random URL. There's a lot of uh, lots of Google doubleclick.net things. All of those kind of stuff are blocked. Metrics from my Sonoses get blocked. All manner of useful stuff. Really, really good. I, I recommend. You can also, if you want to as well, on top of the configuration as well, if you're needing to create um, safe spaces for children to be online and you want to be able to disable things like going to adult websites and stuff like that and filtering, you can do that. You can also set there was a an option I was looking at the thing. You can turn off social media. So if you if you want the kids to do the homework, you can go in and say, all right, camera from 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 eight o'clock to whenever, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all those don't work. You know, and so you can there are ways, I mean, I, I, I think there are better ways of doing it than that. But if you subscribe to that that idea, this can help you do it. Very cool. Awesome. All right, Tom. Uh, I'm ready to be wowed by your pick. <laughs> well, you might be disappointed. <laughs> My oh, pick this is not me having to buy a plane ticket. Yes, yeah, it looks like it. I uh, Ian has a very useful, exciting, cool thing to pick that you can actually buy. My cool thing is not something you can buy, and you have to be physically here to appreciate it. It's called the Psychotronics Film Festival. And it's run by a nonprofit radio station for our local junior college here, Foothill College. It's KFJC. And twice a year, before the pandemic, twice a year, they have this psychotronics film festival where a bunch of really crazy film geeks and, and nerds get a hold of old, old 16 millimeter films of all sorts old TV commercials, old TV show clips, uh, really funny, badly produced sci-fi movies, uh, public service announcements, training films, just anything you can find on 16 millimeter film. And so you go, you pay five bucks, you sit in this big uh, auditorium classroom and they have a bunch of 16 millimeter film projectors running these shows and these films and it it goes for like three or four hours and it's absolutely hilarious 
And so my wife and I are planning to go for the first time since the, since uh, the before time. So I'm really looking forward to it. This but it's pretty really useless for almost. Cool. It is cool, but it's useless for everybody listening. I apologize. <laughs> well, oh, uh, it's not useless we for me. Have people all over the world who who listen and watch. So that means that there's a likelihood that there is a subset of uh, BTN fans that are in reasonable range of this uh, film festival and could show up. That's true. So if you're in the Bay Area, uh, I highly recommend it. That is that is awesome. And I wish that I could actually be there for this. That is really cool. Yeah, that, that sounds fun. great. It is really fun. You guys would like it, I think. Uh, I think it would be an absolute blast. Um, all right. Well, uh, Ben, I would have been horribly disappointed if your cool thing had not been your cool thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it, if it wouldn't have been my cool thing, you would have had to hit me over the head with a sonic screwdriver. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yep. So uh, about 15 years ago, there was uh, what I called my favorite uh, season of Doctor Who. And that was David Tennant's uh, <clears throat> Aloha, uh, my brain does not want to work. And Catherine Tate, right? Yeah, yeah. Catherine I, I had a Tate. feeling that's where you were headed. Yes, as the Doctor and Donna. Yep, because Catherine was absolutely brilliant as our as our snarky beloved redhead. Mm-hmm. Well, it was to over here. It's one of those things we knew her from a lot of comedy shows, and we were just thinking. Mm-hmm. Is that going to work? And by God, it did work. Brilliant. Oh, yes. Utterly. We were, we were all sort of cynical. But no, I mean, it's one of those truisms about comedians when they act can sometimes actually be utterly brilliant and inspire choices for roles. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, for the 60th, uh, the face of the 10th Doctor reincarnated as the 14th Doctor is back with Donna No noble in three uh 60th anniversary specials and people are wondering uh does it go back to the brilliance that there was oh yes it does uh they picked the roles up like they were just in them yesterday and the interesting thing is uh going forward uh bbc is now in a partnership with disney uh, and you can tell they got all the mouse's money here. Yes, now, the, the, the effects. Hmm? Um, the effects were another were were a little yes. bit better than we're used to in terms of Doctor yes. Who. They definitely had more money to play, and they, yeah. but there wasn't a Disney influence. I thought in terms of no D- Disney apparently from from everything I've read, they don't have any editorial uh, mm. control over the yeah. series. They they paid just a lot money. of money for distribution. Yeah, yeah, just money. It's just money. It's purely money for for Disney. It's not they're not getting involved in it, which is fantastic in the grand scheme of things. Because so, what did you think, guys, of the first I new loved episode? It. I yeah. absolutely enjoyed it. And yes, one one lovely thing for me, my daughter this year, my my stepdaughter has just discovered Doctor Who 
mm-hmm. and because of Nk- she knows Nkuti and Gawa from another show, mm-hmm. uh, Sex Education probably. Yes, where he's brilliant. Exactly that. Yes, mm-hmm. from Sex Education, and so she wants, and so that got her interesting. She's been binging great chunks of the um the, the of the Eccleston on through sort of thing, mm-hmm. and so we sat down on Saturday night together to watch it, and it was lovely to see, and it was very very good, thoroughly enjoyable. Another nice hat tip: the Starbeast story was originally a comic. Mm-hmm. From the uh, and they credited the two art the um the writer and the artist at the end. Dave Gibbons, yep. you will have heard of. He drew the Watchman, mm-hmm. and Pat Mills is the creator of 2008 AD, Judge Dredd, and all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. from from UK yep. comics. So that was fantastic to see their names up there as well. So which, I was... by the which by the way, um, they are they also uh, had little Easter eggs related to them. Throughout the throughout the uh, the uh, special, mm. it, it it was really well done. I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to the second special, which is yeah. this weekend. And yeah. then the third special is actually uh, late December, like like right around Christmas. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. That to lead in then to the Christmas we the Christmas episode when Nkuti takes over. Yeah. Or Cootie, I'm not sure how you say that guy's name. I, I thought it was Shooty. Shooty, yeah. Yeah. My daughter yeah. usually corrects me, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. But but I do I do have to say, I think I'm going to be heartbroken by the third special again. Yeah, you are. I have a feeling because... we yeah. <laughs> Russell T. Davies is good at doing that to you. Yeah. Yeah, because it, because David Tennant and Catherine Tate just work so good together. Mm-hmm. That you you just want like fifty years of the Doctor and Donna. Yeah, I, it it just it felt like falling back in to watching the series fifteen years ago. When... Yeah, yeah, r- r- right back into RTD one. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and uh, I, I, a little spoiler, but when they uh, when learning the name of. Uh, Donna's daughter, the what? Basically, just Doctor Who what thing so yes, so perfectly just, still. Yeah, just getting that little. Uh, if you didn't see any of the spoilers, maybe thought in the back of your head that Billy Piper would just show up on screen out of nowhere. It which yeah, they, they still which, I mean, they still have a lot of people yeah, yeah, just, and stuff. Yeah, which I, I, I would be very surprised if we do not see her in one of the three specials. Mm. They, they've been holding a lot about these specials very close to their chest. So yeah. we, we have the opportunity for a lot of surprises. Yes. Yeah, I, mean, and, I, I know Bernard Cribbins will be in the later episodes. He's not in this one, Wilf. Because I mean, the poor yeah, chap, uh, he passed away last year or yeah. this year. I mean, he's 93, poor old fella. I mean, it's, and he's my childhood very much. He was in lots oh, and yeah. lots of kids' TV. As a, as a kid, he was in lots and lots of kids' TV. As a, yeah. So um, the image well, of grandfather is often Bernard. You, you'd see Bernie. It's just how it yeah. kind of appears. Which, by the way, my favorite part of it, uh, it spoilers. You should be. You should have watched it already. Was 
He's not dead. He's yeah, just in the old folks' home. In the old folks' home, yes. <laughs> no, he's not dead, you know, man. <laughs> oh, right. Dead. Well, before, and, before and we and get also, more spoilers. Looking at, I mean, and it's also units are looking after him as well. Yeah. So before we hit more spoilers, and that was an awesome, cool thing, I'm going yeah. to drop my cool thing on us. And no. I'm oh. going total tech nerd this week. Oh man, that's that's a good thing. We like, tech, it. we like we like tech nerd. Okay, do you want to uh, run an AI LLM no. locally? Of course I do. Well, here you go. <laughs> it's called LM Studio, oh, and no. uh, the website is lmstudio.ai, and uh, um, there's a, a Mac app, a Windows app, and a uh, an iOS app, and um, um. There's a Linux beta. So, no, actually, I don't think there's an iOS version, but there's definitely a Mac version. Um, so, yeah, so theoretically, you could run this on, on a Raspberry Pi, but my guess is you'd actually have to gang a few together to, to make it work well. Um, you need, you need, um, an M series Mac or uh, a PC that includes, oh, I can't remember. There's, there's a specific thing that the PC needs to have before you can really use this because it is processor intensive. So you install an app, uh, the, the LM studio app on your computer, and then um, they make it very easy to pick different uh, models to run in LM studio. And, uh, and if you're like really, really nerding out on this and you want to go to hugging face and pick out your, <laughs> your models yourself. And um, I mean, basically that you're, you are getting them from hugging face, um, which for those of you that don't know, hugging face is the big repository for, for LLM models. Um, you the the way that you set it up or get those in the LM Studio app, it makes it pretty easy. So you can install multiple models and choose the one you want for the thing you're going to do. And then you have this interface right there in an app on your computer that when you type in your prompts, it processes them and responds based on the model you have selected. And it's all running locally. That's wild. Ooh. It's really mm. I'm, I'm, I'm building Skynet tonight. Yeah, I'm going to have a little play with that. Yeah, and um, and it's my favorite price. This this is all free, mm-hmm. and um, that it's just like ridiculously cool. Um, I I have installed LM Studio on my M3 Pro MacBook Pro, and uh, I've played with it some, and I I've given it um, questions like like uh, like explain the difference between these two things or tell me about something else which and, which models are you using uh right now actually hold on let me launch it and I'll tell you which I I only have one model installed right now and uh, the model I am using is the um <laughs> Oh, come on. Where, where do I select the model I'm currently running? Um, 
I am using Mistral 7B. Hmm. Mithril? Mistral. Not Mithril, sorry. Although that would be kind of a cool model, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be indestructible. Pretty much. All, all the answers you would have to accept as truth. Yes. So this company, Element Labs, I've never heard of them. Did you know of them before this? I did not know of them before I found this. And uh, But LM Studio is, um, I have discovered, very popular. This so is a great... This is a great, cool thing. Good pick. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm already downloading language model. I want to have a little play with it. That'll be something yeah. for tomorrow. That'll be something for tomorrow to have a little mess with while I'm waiting for some stuff to run. Um, I, I've been playing lately with uh, with AI models on my Mac, just doing local stuff. Mm. So one of these days, maybe I'll pick um, um, one of the image generative image things that I've been playing with as well which Patrice has done uh, previously, but the ones that she has hmm. talked about, no, actually, I think she's installed locally as well. Anyhow, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll pick um, a, a different one and, and we'll talk about graphics too. All right, so with that, um, wow, this has been loads of fun and um, and I'm just so happy that I've got to speak that I've had the opportunity to spend part of my Thursday with the three of you because you're, you're wonderful and awesome. And you put a smile on my <laughs> face and, uh, and I'm just happy to be able to call all of you friends. So thank you. And, um, and I guess we should tell people where to find us. So Ian, why don't you start us off? You can find me usually on LinkedIn is the easiest place. Look for Ian Grant and Veeam. Help me up here. Is Nicely the place to done. find me on. I remember. I'm just about remembering. <laughs> Which hand is it? That one. I'm. I do like one this. Of find me up here. You can find me up here. Yeah, I'm. I'm a tech trainer for them. I. I. I'm starting to put more and more online now and there. That's probably the best social media, my business level platform to get me on. You can probably find me on Facebook if you look hard enough, but I'll, I'm in the Slack room, I'll BTN Slack. So if you've got a question for me, hit me up in there. That's where that you can find awesome. me. awesome. All right. And Tom, where can people find you? People can find me on Mastodon. I am Tom F at sfba.social. Thanks, Jeff. Awesome. All right. And Ben, when you aren't out uh, ruling the, the rivers, well, the <laughs> river on your uh, massive uh, paddle boat, where can people find you? Well, Jeff, you can find me at Ben Rathig on social media. We know there's 10,000 10, different ones at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find my writings uh, at Rathig.tech. I'm actually working on a new piece right now that might prove kind of controversial Ooh. on on Tuesdays. You can find me on Mac Voices with Mr. Chuck Joyner. Mm -hmm. On Thursdays, aka Thursday nights, aka tonight, you can find me on Mac on In Touch with iOS with Mr. Dave Ginsburg 
And as always, you can find me Thursday and Friday here on the British Tech Network. Awesome. And I'm looking forward to reading your potentially controversial piece. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so where can you find me? Social medias. I'm Jay Gamut. And I'm most active right now on Mastodon, Instagram, and and I'm kind of building up on threads. So uh, you can find me there some too. Then uh, for shows, Chuck Joyner keeps letting me come back to Mac Voices Live on Tuesdays. Dave Ginsburg keeps letting me come back on Thursdays to In Touch with iOS. Mm. Then here on the British Tech Network, Thursdays for the big show, Fridays for the Mac show. And then Brian Chaffin and I also record The Context Machine. And uh, uh, I think that's that's good for now. That's that's enough places. Um, so with that, thank you again. You, you are all absolutely wonderful. And everyone that watches and listens live, participates in the chat, thank you for being here. You are all awesome. All of you that watch or listen to the show recordings later on, thank you for being part of the BTN family as well. Love every single one of you. Um, uh, speaking of love, Ewan, love you. Thank you for being you. Muller, thanks for making sure we have people for shows. And uh, TSO Host, thank you for being here and supporting us. Give them some online love, everyone. And uh, and everyone, be sure and check out The Daily News Show if you're not doing that already. Kyle is fantastic and gives you just a, a bite-sized overview of what you need to know about the tech world every day. And then give money to keep that running because, because it takes money to make that happen. So, so throw money to The Daily News Show, please. And um, yeah, I think that's that's all the big stuff. So with that, um, how about I tell everyone to remember to join us tomorrow for the Mac show on Friday and uh, then join us again next Thursday for the big show. And everyone have an awesome weekend.